Welcome to Paranormal Almanac. With your host, Kurt Sandvig. I'm your host, Kurt Sandvig, and on this week's edition of Paranormal Almanac, let's talk a little bit, or a little bit more, about premonitions. I bet you didn't think I was going to say that. But first, as always, we got shout-outs. Shout-outs going out to all the patrons. I'm just going to jump right in. We got shout-outs to Jason, Vicky, Crow, Clay, Tim, Buzz, Tom, Levita Works, Glacier, Glacier, Maine, Isabel, Jen, Jen, Stacy, Tamara, Amber, Tracy, Matthew, Sandy, Kelly, Joe, Menace the Beast, Kick-Ass Magic, Robot, Webcomic, Sandy, Paige, Kyle, Sean, Andrew, Scott, Andrea, Devin, Melody, Ricardo, Vicky, Christopher, Vanessa, Liam, Roger, Michael, Terminal Animal, Alicia, Becca, Jake, and the Beasties, Elizabeth, Voidtech, Sherry, Art Muffin, Trudy, Tim, Kenneth, Paul, Ricardo, Ian, Armor Times 10, Alexandra, George, Seth, Zozo the Demon! Hayden, Cindy, Kim, Ashley, what's that? Carrie, Robin, Will, Lauren, and Phil Mangano, Russell, April, Isabel, Audra, Dorian, Cindy, Bob, Stacy, Paula, Jerry, Leo, Scoston, Lindsey, Hahn, hey, howdy, hi, Matt, Jeff, T, Harley, Suzanne, Joe, Lawrence, the Lawrence Strong, hey, howdy, hi, Veronica, Autumn, J. Mark Manning, Carolyn, Martin, Jaden, Anashi, Todd, Jamie, and Elijah Hendrickson, Dan, Laura Pitts, and GamerFan. With two special shout outs, as always, going out to Joe Teague. And my boy Stitch. Alrighty, let's do a quick hand of fate update. Again, I don't know what I did with that. That I mean, it was really bad music. So let me see if I can quickly come up with some kind of hand of fate uh, you know, update I music. No, I don't want to write. Hey, shut up! I don't want an advertisement. Uh, let's do um, news opening. Uh, sure. Let's see what happens with this. Hey, Ron, that's cool. It's cool. I got it. I got it. Let's try this one. Hand of Fate. Update with your host, Kurt. Breaking news. Hand of Fate. Hand of Fate. And a fate update, and a fate, and a fate, and a fate update. Yeah, yeah that works. Why not? Uh, <laughs> so, hand of fate update. Nothing new, nothing much. Uh, I did a live episode where I showed everybody the hand. I post, also posted a photo of the hand on Twitter because I didn't know I hadn't actually done that. And some Twitter users were like, I kind of want to see what this Hand of Fate actually looks like. So I posted a photo up on there, and they were like, Jesus, that's not what I thought it would look like at all. And I'm like, yep, it's freaky. Um, I got a bunch of new paranormal toys. I talked about this on the live episode, but if you didn't listen to the live episode or didn't catch it live, you can still catch it, I think, on Facebook and on Twitch. Definitely on Twitch, I know that. But um, I got a bunch of new paranormal toys that I was, I'm very excited about. I'm very excited to go out and, uh, out and about and actually use them. Sean Bishop and I were actually planning on going out tonight. But uh, talk about a hand of fate update. They uh, 
They, we were both exposed to COVID at a party. Knock on wood, neither of us are showing any signs. But because of that, we're isolating. And uh, so we are not going out tonight to test out the new paranormal toys. But I got a REM pod that I'm very excited about. I got the, the FLIR thermal camera attachment for my phone that I'm very excited about. Um, I got a laser grid that I'm very excited about using, like a bunch of toys. And the next one, the next uh, thing that I'm getting is going to be in the new version of the Ovulus because you can't really find an Ovulus anymore. Um, but there's an English company that made their own version of the Ovulus. If you don't know what it is, the Ovulus will allow, allow ghosts. Jesus, I'm getting too excited. I can't talk about it. The Ovulus will allow ghosts to say words, like supposedly. So there's this device, looks like a cell phone-ish looking kind of thing. And all of a sudden, it'll say, like, tree, and and for no reason. And you'll be like, what? Tree what? And then it'll be like, you know, demon. And you're like, oh, there's a demon here? Like, it's supposedly the good ghosts can use this thing to give you words. And it and, and the words will list down on the screen as the ghost gives them. Um, I've always wanted an ovelus. I think they're very neat. Um, I don't really know how they work, but I don't think anybody really knows how they work, other than the people that make them. But... Uh, so that'll be the next thing on my list. Once again, thank you, patrons. Without them, I wouldn't have any of this equipment, so I can actually start doing paranormal investigations, which was the plan for tonight. But like I said, we have to isolate. Just to be on the safe side, we're going to isolate. So, But um, anyhow, so the fa Hand of Fate. So I've, I've been using pretty much every gadget I have on the Hand of Fate. There was a thermal reading on the Hand of Fate where there should not have been any. Um... So that's interesting. This this hunk of bronze or whatever it is should be room temperature or just higher than room temperature. But for whatever reason, it started to, hate, to heat up on its own. Uh, it also has EMF uh, readings that happened around it. There's videos that I posted on the Facebook pages. I should probably find out a way to throw those up on Twitter. Um, I can't Patreon. I, as much as I love Patreon and I love the patrons, I feel bad that I can't throw any of this stuff up onto Patreon because... Its requirements for videos are batshit weird, and it really makes it hard for me to throw up a bunch of stuff onto Patreon, which is my goal, because that's who I want to get the stuff first, is the patrons. But the um, when I do get around to doing a paranormal investigation with Sean, it's going to the patrons. That's where it's going to be, so the patrons can watch any paranormal investigations. And then maybe a couple weeks later, I'll decide if I want to you know, like maybe it'll be patron exclusive for two weeks and then go out to the regular listeners, or it might just be patron exclusive. Um, cause I want to give them their money's worth and, and I don't know how I need more things to do. So patrons, if you're listening and I hope you are, please let me know what you would like. What more things, what things would you like? Do you want special meat, uh, like virtual meet and greets? Hello? Hello? What just happened? Hello? Whoa, that was weird. My microphone cut out for no reason. Um, do you want like virtual meet and greets? Do you want to hang out online, you know, with me? I'm more than happy to do that. I would love to do that. Um, would you like me to do more of those? I am going to do more of those paranormal field trips. I've got two other planned and I have an update, but I'm going to save it for just the patrons about the, uh, Formosa, Ca uh, for, uh, what is it called? Formosa cafe blanked for a second. There is some ginormous machinery outside of my house right now. That's driving by. Oh, I see what it is. It's they're they're ripping up the concrete on some of the side streets around me, and it's been dead quiet all day. So I'm like, oh, it's perfect time for me to record an episode, and now it's all driving by. So I really hope you guys can't hear that. 
because I can, and it's loud. Um, anyhow, with that being said, patrons, please let me know what you want to hear. I want to do more stuff for you guys. The 200th episode is coming up, so patrons, let me know what you want to promote, because uh, like I said, on the 200th episode, all ads will be patron ads. So, or 99% of the ads will be patron ads. So, patrons, let me know what, uh, like, the Kick-Ass Magic Robot, what is it? Kick-Ass Robot Magic Webcomic? Whatever that one is. You know, if you want that being promoted, I'll I'll happily do it. Now, again, just because you're a patron doesn't automatically guarantee that'll be promoted, but um, I still have say on, on that kind of stuff. Hello? Why is, what is happening with my... Speaker. All right. Now I think it's back. All right. We're good. But, um, but yeah, so patrons, let me know what you guys want to do. Also, I'm still looking for bumper music for the 200th episode. I might just make it myself, but I would like it to come from, uh, listeners like the cool ass bumper music that happens in paranormal news. Like that, that's all listener stuff. Speaking of paranormal news, let's get right on into it right now. Paranormal news indeed. Now, this first story in paranormal news really bums me out. It might need some backstory, but let me read the uh, article first and see if it is, um, see if there's enough information where I don't have to get any backstory. And if not, then I will, I will definitely get you some backstory. Ah, this one bums me out, man. You fucking dumbass, crazy conspiracy theorist morons religious zealot morons. So the Georgia Guidestones, I did an episode about the Georgia Guidestones a long ass time ago and um, very bizarre, still to this day unexplained, some theories, but still unexplained. But the Georgia Guidestones were demolished after bombing damages the mysterious monument. This one comes out of uh, WSB-TV in Atlanta, Georgia, that says part of a mysterious Georgia monument was destroyed by an explosive device overnight, leading to an active police uh, investigation in Elberton, according to the Georgia Bureau of Investigation. Now, the Georgia Guidestones have since been demolished due to safety concerns. That bums me out. They're like 20 feet tall, a bunch of different language. Oh, uh, let me keep reading it. Uh, the Georgia Guidestones were a 19-foot tall. Oh, I was off a little bit. Granite monument that served as both a tourist attraction and fodder for conspiracy theorists since it was erected by an anonymous patron in 1980. The monument's stones are inscribed with some people interpret as guidelines for future generations when others see as more sinister. The monument gets around 20,000 visitors a year. I wanted to be one of them, but not going to happen now. In a statement from the GBI, said agents found evidence of an explosion at the scene. The preliminary information indicates that unknown individuals detonated an explosive device at around 4 a.m. on Wednesday, July 6th. Uh, the sheriff's office personnel responded to discover the explosion destroyed a large portion of the structure. The Georgia Department of Transportation closed down roads in the area as local and state police investigated. They said the monument is sometimes referred to as the American Stonehenge. It's four slabs and central pillar function as like a compass, calendar, and a clock. 
The center pillar is carved in such a way that allows a ray of sun to filter through at noon every day and shine a beam on the center stone that indicates the day of the year. But conspiracy theorists spark the uh, spark from the monuments inscriptions, which are carved in eight modern languages and seem to advocate for population control, harmony with nature and internationalism. Over the past few months, the monument has become increasingly controversial on social media because of former GOP gubernatorial candidate Candace Taylor fucker uh, promised to uh, allegedly uh, a fucker uh, promised her supporters that if she were elected, she would destroy the quote satanic monument by executive order. Taylor released a video statement Thursday night saying she did not support criminal activity would have taken proper legal steps to remove the monument. If she had been elected, she condemned that ah, fuck that. I'm not going to talk about her. Um, she riled everybody up. She riled the wackos up, and the wackos blew it up. It's not fucking satanic. I'm sorry, I'm getting angry, but I really wanted to visit this thing. It's a really bizarre monument that it's very hard for something to remain mysterious as long as it has in a modern age. Like, I get, like, you know, Stonehenge, it's been mysterious for thousands of years. Yeah, but that's been thousands of years. This thing was built in the 80s and set up, and there was some there were some theories, but no one really knew who who it was that did it or why. And I always thought it was really kind of cool and really kind of neat, and I wanted to see it in real life. But because of some fucking wacko, they bombed it. Ugh, makes me angry. Um, let's see. That's about it, really. Um, yeah, that's about it. Uh, anyhow, let me move on to the next story in paranormal news. But that bums me out. Like, like listen, people, I don't care what you get riled up about. Don't blow something up because some moronic politician said something about it. All right, so this next one is probably going to be debunked. I think it is exactly what every other debunker thinks. Uh, but, you know, I'll put it out there. Let's see. Let's hope I'm wrong. I hope, I hope beyond hope that I am wrong and that this is a legit item. But I think it's been debunked. A YouTube star allegedly unearths a Bigfoot skull in the Pacific Northwest. Yeah, that's right. Uh, a Bigfoot skull. So, Coyote Peterson is his name. He's a guy that likes to have bugs bite him, and then they really hurt, and he shows it to people. Um, but he posted on Facebook on July 7th at 3.27 p.m., breaking news, leaking photos here before they're taken down, or before government and officials try to cease our footage. All right, relax, dude. Found a large primate skull in British Columbia. Filmed it, cut the footage, releasing on Brave Wilderness this weekend. Ooh, that's today. We'll check to see if it's been released. Have kept this secret for several weeks. Yes, I have the skull. It's currently in a secure location awaiting primatologist review. Absolutely unreal. We thought it was a bear skull when we found it. I can 100% guarantee it is not. The skull was found partially buried underground in deep black in deep back forest ravine after a massive storm in the Pacific Northwest where clearly a bunch of trees and earth were disturbed. I'm sure these pics will be taken down, as will probably the video by the government or state park officials, but the skull is safe. I don't know if that's what you I don't know if it's what you all think it might be, but I cannot explain finding a primate skull in the Pacific Northwest without wondering. What do you believe? Well, first of all, I believe that the videos still are the photos are still up. Let's check and see if there's any videos. Um, Coyote Peterson. Brave Wilderness, eight hours ago, a video was are put up. Are you looking for a new fence or gate with for a, your home or property? No, Type in up. your. Shut up. With a. All right, so Bigfoot skull found in Canada. All right, so the video that was just released this morning all automatically is like. 
It's a Bigfoot skull. A second ago, it wasn't a Bigfoot skull. They couldn't confirm it, but here we go. Um, let me skip the ad. I'm going to pause that real quick. In this episode, something big is afoot. Coyote and the crew are on location in Canada searching for the elusive Sasquatch. Coyote may have found what something may have found something in the British Columbia backcountry that could change history as we know it. Then uh, all the all the conversations are like, yeah, all right, good, good on you, I'm sure. Um, so look, before I click play on this video and watch it and then tell you what happened in the video, I'll pause this uh, recording and watch it, and I'll come back and say what happened because I don't want him to get the not that I get revenue for these episodes, but him to get credit for these episodes. I don't want to play any of his stuff. I will say that the skull itself looks to be a replica gorilla skull where the fangs were sanded down to be more human-like, human teeth. But the problem with doing that is they didn't think about the gaps in the teeth. So if you look at it, if you look up gorilla, you know, like Google replica gorilla skull, you're going to see big fangs on the top and the bottom. When the skull is closed, when the mouth is closed on the skull, you're going to see the bottom fangs go up in between the fang and the front teeth of the skull. Well, the Coyote Peterson skull that was found still has that gap. The reason it would have that gap is there's giant fangs that go up in there. He just sanded down the teeth to make it look more human, hence make it look more Bigfoot. In my opinion, I have no proof of any of this, or I should say somebody did, but to me... It looks like a replica gorilla skull that was altered to not look immediately recognizable as the replica gorilla skull that you can find online and buy for yourself. All right, I'm going to pause this real quick. I'm going to watch this 15-minute video of his and come back and let you know what I think. Okay, I'm back. It's been tw I'm 11 minutes and 55 seconds into a 14-minute 59-minute video. Minute video. So basically, I'm 12 minutes into a 15-minute video before he says, like, oh, look, I found a skull. Or it's probably a bone. No, you said skull, even though there's the tiniest piece of it that is still visible. But it immediately went, hey, I, got, I found a skull. Everybody get down here. You're going to have to, you know, film this. This is going to be amazing. So I'm calling bullshit already. All right, I'll be right back. Okay, I'm back. That was dumb. That was full-on, straight-up dumb. It's, to, it's a to-be-continued video that I don't buy any part of, absolutely any part of. I was 99% convinced it was a replica gorilla skull prior to seeing the video. Now I'm 100% convinced. That's fucking dumb. It was bad acting dumb. Um, yeah, I, I there's people are saying like, hey man, you said you were going to show a video of it. You have 10 minutes of this video. It's all clickbait. This is dumb. I'm sorry. It's just dumb. You uh, Feel free to watch the video as much as I hate to give this guy clicks because it's exactly what's happening. 157,000 views already. I'm sure if I refresh, it's going to be way more. I have um, lost 25 pounds with me. Yeah, now I've it's already up to 163,000. Shut up, video. There's already up to 163,000 videos. So this guy's going to get a billion clicks from, from it, but it's dumb. Where the bullet hole is on the skull... Every one of these gorilla replica skulls has a hole from the replica, I would assume, from like a hinge or something for the jaw on the replica. But shockingly, that's right where there, there's a bullet hole in this skull. 
I, I don't buy any of it at all. I think it's bullshit. Hey, prove me wrong. Look, I want to be proven wrong on this. Please prove me wrong. Show me that I'm wrong and it's actually a real Bigfoot skull. That's all I want. Because obviously someone shot it, which, you know, if you haven't listened to last week's episode about don't fucking shoot Bigfoot, well, you know, there you go. It ties in perfectly with that, that episode. But I don't buy it. I really don't buy it. All right. Let's move on. I'm going to keep going here. Up next in Paranormal News. Oh, this is one I've been wanting to watch. A bizarre video from New Zealand shows the moment when a burning bus drives across the road on its own. So let me click on the actual article. Kapiti Paranormal Surreal Video shows burning driverless bus moved to save home. An eyewitness has described the surreal moment a burning driverless bus turned away from a home minutes before the fire spread, saying the, par- the experience was paranormal. Aucklander, oh my God, it's doing it again. Aucklander, Craig, Craig Meek, and his daughter Amy were visiting family in, oh man, there's something going on with my speakers. They're cutting in and out. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm trying to make this sound as professional as possible, but I need to hear the speaker so I can make sure the sound is being heard. There we go. Aucklander, Craig Meek, and his daughter Amy were visiting family in Rumadi Beach on the Kapiti Coast. I'm sure I said all that wrong. I apologize. In June, when they smelled gas and wandered outside to see a neighbor's house bus fully alight on the street outside. Said the bus owner was concerned the gas cylinder aboard would ignite, leading to an explosion that would threaten his neighbor's home and other properties. The next minute, the lights turned on. Just at that moment that the hedge was going up, that's when the bus decided to drive off on its own. He said the blaze would have definitely taken out the house if it hadn't made the sudden lurch across the road. It was surreal and labeled it paranormal. All righty, let me click on the actual video and watch it for myself. How did it start? I don't know. Christ. Yes. Has it got insurance? That's a big, it's a fairly big bus. All right, sitting there, side of the road, it's on fire. you get a warrant of fitness. Oh, the lights turned on, headlights turned on. Still hey, sitting there. The lights are on? Oh, lights turned off. The lights are off. Oh, that's a scary thing. They should be here faster than that. Lights are turning on and off. I'm assuming just the wire catching on fire. Oh, shit. The engine started. The horn, as you can hear, is going. Good Lord. I'm going to turn this down. That is bizarre. So the engine started, then the horn started, and it just drove straight across the road into a tree. That. <laughs> that is weird. I'll give them that. That is weird. Now, I mean, you can say that obviously the fire caused two wires to, you know, spark, which caused the engine to start up and just, you know, I don't know how it got into gear, though. I don't know. That's a weird one. I'm going to say, yeah, that was a driverless bus driving across the street on its own to save a house. Yep. Everything about that is what the uh, what the title said. That was weird. All righty. Up next in paranormal news, did you know San Diego County has a haunted lake? I didn't. That's the name of the article. And my, my response to the article is, I didn't. It says about an hour from the city in East County, the San Diego region is home to a lake with a long history of giving campers and, fright and hikers a fright. It's called Lake Morena County Park. It's the most reser- it's the most remote reservoir in all of San Diego County. has been deemed one of the most haunted campgrounds in the U.S. 
Oh, I want to go there. More than fish haunt Morena declares the headline from October of 1983 when this piece first you know, like started out, like people really started to say it. They said that um, a lot of people have had paranormal activity uh, on the lake. All went well until last fall. One night he suddenly awakened and looked out the open window by his bed in his motorhome. He found himself looking right at a tall man standing outside by the window. Taking very deliberate steps, his feet weren't touching the ground. Several people uh, had more encounters that season about a man that walked on air. He finally walked himself to the ranger station. What? All right, apparently this is a really horribly worded article, but apparently um, there's been a lot of ghost activity. People keep seeing a, a very tall man walking on air, and it's been uh, it's sparking back up. They're seeing it again, so I want to go camping there. All righty, I'm going to skip the rest of that because it's a terribly, terribly written article. Um, and move on to this next one, which says, Late teacher spirit is haunting a school. Villagers and authorities at Majiji Primary School in Booby, in Bubby, I can't be Booby, in Booby, Matabalala land, North Province. Oh, I got everything wrong. In Zimbabwe, um, the school was forced to close last month after school children, female teachers, and women in the nearby village were tormented by what they suspected to be goblins. The prophetess Sithambiso Moyo said that the spirit of a male teacher who died at the school some time ago was responsible for the unnatural occurrences. So a cleansing ceremony was conducted at the school last Friday. There is a spirit of a male teacher who died at the school. The family of the long-deceased teacher failed to perform traditional rituals to cleanse his spirit from the school, and his spirit is now in trouble. It is today that we get rid of it and make sure the spirit of the late teacher will be exercised and tamed so that he rests in peace. They also claim the other problem was uh, caused by a strange goat that has remained roaming the school. No owners are known about this goat. Uh, I wanted to see a video. They said, what the hell? There's supposed to be a video of it. Uh, but apparently there is no video, but just a random goat and the spirit of a male teacher that is freaking kids out at this school. Already up next in paranormal news. Ghost filmed hanging on truck in Argentina. All right, let's watch this one real quick. Yeah, it's a truck. It's driving. There's a woman hanging from the back of the truck. She's mostly in black, long black hair. Still looks like just a woman hanging on the back of a truck. She's moving around, so it's definitely not a... I thought it was going to be like a cardboard cutout, but she's moving around. What? That's it? It's just a woman hanging off the back of a truck. The strange sighting occurred around 3 a.m. when a truck driver identified only as George or Jorge was cruising along a fairly desolate and dark road in the providence of... Um, province of Cordoba. As he approached another truck, he was stunned to see someone hanging on the back of the vehicle. So George or Jorge called the fellow truck driver, who was also on the road nearby, and urged them he could catch up to them and confirm what he was seeing. Following that, the bewildered witness caught the curious moment on video that, that I just watched, and the, the footage went quickly viral in Argentina. When the truck passed at a train tracks and the woman seemingly vanished into thin air or someone jumped from the back of the moving vehicle unnoticed. Yeah, I'm saying it was a woman and she jumped off when she realized that people were seeing her. But I want to see what people are commenting on this YouTube video because it's very 
blatant. There's somebody on the back of that truck. She's hitchhiking on the back. She's not a ghost. Yeah, where's the part of video where she disappears? That's what I want to know as well. It looks like a person that's hitching a ride on the back of that truck. Hitching a ride, hitching a ride, hitching a ride. Yeah, everybody agrees with me. I don't think it's a ghost, so I'm not going to post the video. Eh, maybe I'll post the video, but I don't think it's a ghost. I think it's a person hanging on the back of a the uh, a truck in Argentina. All right, you know what? That about, that about does it for Paranormal News. Uh, merch. Head on over to tpublic.com slash stores with an S slash paranormal dash almanac for all your paranormal almanac needs, including limited edition 200th, 200th episode shirts. That's about all I'm going to say about that. Let's be right back. We'll be uh, we'll be right back with more paranormal almanac. All righty, we are back. And okay, I know that I've done premonition episodes before, but I like them. I really do. I like premonitions. I wish that I had premonitions, and maybe I do, and I'm just not paying attention or remembering my dreams enough. But um, there's a lot of people that seem to have premonitions fairly regularly and actually start to, once they realize they're having premonitions or deja vu, some think, um, that they go, oh, okay, I'm having this. I should listen to these feelings, which, yeah, I agree. If you have premonitions and they're coming true, how about you start listening to them? But even though I did an episode a long time ago, I wanted to start this episode a little bit differently. I wanted to do a more scientific approach that other people have done about premonitions. I'm not going to do any, you know, I'm not going to do like a scientific test on people who have premonitions because it's already been done. So I'm just going to talk about the stuff that's already been done. Because look, if you look up premonitions immediately, like even I think in Wikipedia, you'll find something that says there is no scientific evidence about premonitions coming true. I just don't believe that. I didn't believe it before. I definitely don't believe it now. So... Even though there were scientific studies done in the 20s and 30s, they weren't as scientific as I would like. So I kind of want to start with one from the 60s. It was about a guy named John Barker. Well, actually, before I get to him, let me tell you about the uh, the event that he studied. So let's go back in time to Aberfan in 1966, because you're going to need to know this before you can find out about the event that he studied. It's This is the event. So in 1966 in Aberfam, I actually talked about it very briefly on an older episode. It was about a premonition that this girl had about her school. Well, it turns out she wasn't the only one that had that premonition. And in case you don't remember, here's the briefest of recaps of this tragedy. October 21st, 1966. There was a period of heavy rain that led to a buildup of water within this mountain slope of like a coal mine uh, basically, the mountaintop overlooking a town built up with like water and coal and shit. And basically, it caused it to suddenly slide downhill as a slurry. That slurry ended up killing 116 children and 28 adults. It completely avalanched over Pantglass Junior High, Junior School, sorry, not Junior High, Junior School, and a row of houses. So it's a horrific tragedy, and and like I said in that previous episode, it was you know this little girl had a premonition that it was about to happen. She saw like you know this blackness and stuff that came down, but um, so that's the event that John Barker was studying. So he was at the time he was forty two year old um, psychiatrist at Shelton Hospital, 
And like everyone around that area, he saw the accident on the news and thought, since it was such a horrific, a horrific accident, a horrific natural disaster, if you will, that affected the entire town, he wondered, did anyone know of it or have any kind of premonitions about it prior to it happening? So John wrote to Peter Fairley, who is the science editor of the London's Evening Standard newspaper. And he just asked him, hey, can you publish an article about this idea that I have about premonitions? And, you know, Peter Fairley was like, yeah, all right. So on October 28th, Peter did John's suggestion in his World of Science column titled, Did anyone have a genuine premonition before the cold tip fell on Aberfan? That is what a senior British psychiatrist would like to know. And the article, you know, like described the kinds of visions that John was hoping for or interested in. I shouldn't say hoping for, was interested in, like a vivid dream, a vivid waking impression, telepathy at the time of the disaster affecting someone miles away, and clairvoyance. So he wanted a very scientific approach to this. If you had it, which one of these did you have? If you had a premonition, which one did it fall into? And they didn't get just one or two responses. Nope. They received 76 replies. Like one of the, like this one. Two nights before the disaster, a 63-year-old man named J. Arthur Taylor from Stacksteeds, Stack a village on the edge of the Lancashire Moors, Dreamed that he was in Pontypridd in South Wales. Kurt here, seriously, they're just naming stuff to fuck with me on this episode, but I'm, I'm trying my best, I swear. Um, anyhow, J. Arthur had not been in the town for many years, and uh, he, in that specific town, for many years, and he was trying to buy a book. He faced a large machine with buttons, and he says, Now, I've never seen a computer. This may have been one. I just don't know. Then, all of a sudden, while I was standing by this big machine, I looked up and saw Aberfan written as if suspended in white lettering against a black background. Now, this seemed to last some minutes. Then I turned and I looked the other way, and I saw through a window rows of houses and everything seemed derelict and desolate. Now, J. Arthur said that he didn't recognize the word Aberfan, even though he had driven past the village countless times. That is, until... He heard about the news on the radio on the day that it happened. And he said it immediately all became clear. He was having a premonition of this desolate disaster in Aberfan. Now, in uh, another one, in Plymouth, the evening before the avalanche happened, Constance Milder had a vision at the spiritualist uh, meeting that she was at. She told six witnesses, though, that she saw an old schoolhouse, a Welsh miner, and an avalanche of coal rushing down a mountain. Now, at the bottom of this mountain of hurling of hurtling coal was a little boy with long fringe looking absolutely terrified to death. Then, for quite a while, she says, I saw rescue operations taking place. I had an impression that the little boy was left behind and saved. He looked so grief-stricken. Get this. When the accident happened, on the news... There was this boy. And she said, that's the boy. That's the one I was talking about. And she had six witnesses, eyewitnesses that said that's exactly how she described it. Then a man in Kent was convinced for days before the Aberfan accident that there would be a national disaster on the Friday. 
He said, it came to me as strongly as might come the thought that you'd forgotten that it was your wife's birthday tomorrow. When he arrived at work on October 21st, he told the secretary, today's the day. Now, those are all great stories. Some had eyewitnesses, and you might be thinking kind of like I did. Well, sure, people can say anything they want after the fact. But when John Barker actually did the research and checked into their stories, asking for details and witnesses and talking to them and finding out that, indeed, these people had talked about it prior to the slide, he didn't find just these three. He found of the 60 premonitions, there was evidence that 22 were described before the accident happened with witnesses. That is a shit ton. Absolutely crazy. Like, in my opinion, that is a fairly good amount of scientific evidence. He had 76 replies. 60 were verifiable premonitions that he could look into. 22, there were evidence from eyewitnesses or proof that the person talked about it before the accident happened. So that's what got me into this. I was like, wow, that's, I think that's pretty good scientific evidence. But it wasn't the first, like I said, it wasn't the first story or, or scientific research of its kind. Now he went on, John Barker went on to do uh, like the Premonition Institute and all this other weird, crazy, cool stuff. And he wrote, he wrote books that I tried to read some of the expert excerpts of the books. It gets a little bit on the woo-woo wacky side of things or just above my head. I don't know. Maybe I'm just not smart enough to read it. I don't know. But I was like, all right, well, that's a, that's a good enough thing for to start this episode. So one of those other ones, like I said, in the 20s, happened with J.W. Dunn. Now, he was an aircraft designer. He wrote a book called An Experiment with Time. Again, very, in my opinion, difficult to read book. Now, he did a similar experiment to uh, John Barker's. But this was after his own premonition, because in 1902, so we're going all the way back to 1902. This guy, J.W. Dunn, was a young soldier. He was serving in the, in the war when he dreamed of a volcano about to explode on a French colonial island. He said this volcano would kill 4,000 people. A few weeks later, he gets a hold of a daily telegraph that talks about, yep, a volcano that went off. But it wasn't 4,000 people it killed. It was 40,000 people it killed. It was the eruption of Mount Pele on the island of Martinique. And he said, you know what? I was out, I was out by a knot, meaning he was off by one zero. Instead of 4,000, it was 40,000. So both of these guys, like I said, they wrote about premonitions and studying them but neither caught on in the scientific community, especially back then. Even in the 60s, it, I don't know if, I don't even know if a book now, eh, maybe now, might catch on. If you have scientific evidence to back up that people are having premonitions that with evidence to support it, I think they'd be more apt to, you know, to catch on nowadays. But back then, it definitely did not catch on in the scientific community. But regardless of that outcome, science still says there is no sufficient evidence for premonitions. So how about this next one? Let's talk about some actual premonitions that were talked about, had eyewitnesses about, before the incidents, I'll say incidents, happened. Now, I swear I talked about this first one, but I couldn't find it in any of my notes. So if I have, you know, either pretend I haven't, or maybe you 
And I just had a premonition that I would talk about in an episode. So boom, proof of premonitions. But I really think I talked about this on a previous episode, so I apologize. Uh, We go back into 1958. When Joe Meek, which is weird because Meek was one of the names in one of the articles I just read about. That's what made me pause. If If you're really in tune and you're listening to Paranormal News, I actually paused on one of the articles because the last name was Meek. But this one, 1958, Joe Meek, he was a British music producer, ton of bands at the time, supposedly a brilliant guy in the studio, but also supposedly paranoid as hell from everything I can find out about him. He believed that his apartment was bugged for no reason, that people were trying to take his instruments for no reason. So he's a little bit on the paranoid side. But one night in 1958, him and his friends were having fun with tarot cards and Ouija boards at a party. So while they're playing with the tarot cards, he was like, you know what? I want to play with the Ouija board. And he says he started getting messages on it. So one of the people with them, like that were playing with the Ouija board, began writing down everything that was being spelt out on the Ouija board, like February the 3rd, Buddy Holly dies. So he freaks out and he's like, crap, I like Buddy Holly. And he's desperately trying to get a message to Buddy Holly. Spoiler, things don't end well for Buddy Holly. All right, so February 3rd, 1958, Goes by without an incident. Buddy Holly's still alive, still fine. And he's like, oof, all right, we're cool. Maybe it's just, you know, the Ouija board being a Ouija board or whatever. But he's like, you know what? I still should tell Buddy Holly about this experience. He finally gets someone to pass along this message to Buddy Holly. Well, actually, I I apologize. He actually found a, a way to get in touch with Buddy Holly directly. When he did... Buddy Holly apparently told him, like, no, I'll be very careful every February 3rd. Don't worry. And in case you didn't know it, the next year, Buddy Holly dies in a plane crash on February 3rd, 1959, along with Richie Valens and the Big Bopper, known as the day the music died. So um, after that happened, Joe said that Buddy Holly's spirit often visited him with advice. So, you know, that's pretty nice. They kept in contact after Buddy Holly died, and apparently, you know, Buddy Holly's ghost wasn't all pissy about it. And you got to wonder, though, if the first time that Buddy Holly's ghost showed up to Joe, if Joe wasn't like, hey, motherfucker, I told you. I straight up, look, I was wrong about the year, but February 3rd, I told you. So anyhow, things ended up great for Joe, except for when another February 3rd date rolled around. Because on February 3rd, 1967, so almost 10 years later, nine years, if you're keeping count. If you can actually do the math in your head, it's nine years. Nine years later, February 3rd, nine years later, Joe shot his landlord and then himself. Yeah. All right, another one that witnesses confirmed. We go all the way to January 7th, 2009. Oh, I'm going to get all this wrong. That's when six-year-old... Bara Abd al-Rahman Badawi was awoken from his nap by an explosion in Gaza City. Now, he said he cries out, my father is dead, and, you know, screams and cries, and his mother's like, what's wrong? And he's like, my dad's dead. Yep, you guessed it. An hour later, he and his mom find out that his father and his uncle had been killed in the very explosion that woke him up. Then this next one, it's from 2015. I'm going to call it more of a coincidence than any kind of proof, in my mind anyway. 
Uh, it's by Susan Saxman, who calls herself the reluctant psychic. I think I've talked about her before, too. Um, she said that she told a bunch of stories with the New York Post about times when her predictions came 100% true, like this one. She said, the moment this one woman walked into me, walked into my room, I wanted to vomit. The feeling was more intense than anything she had ever experienced with other ill clients. She said, sometimes I'll feel the twinge of someone's arthritis or the dull pounding of a headache, but this was an overwhelming sensation. I was going to throw up. Now, she said she kept saying to the person, hey, are you feeling all right? You good? And the woman's like, yeah, I'm fine. I'm, 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 I'm good. I'm all well. And went about her day. Then, yeah, and she kept telling her, like, you need to go see a doctor. You need to go see a doctor. And the woman's like, nah, I'm fine. I'm cool. Then, a few months later, Susan says, I open up the newspaper, and there, there she is in the obituary section. She had died. All right. I mean, it's been a few months. I wouldn't call it exactly. I mean, I don't know. That's, that's still more of a coincidence. As far as I'm concerned, that's more of a coincidence. All right. So I was looking for more um, people online that had premonitions. And obviously, I wanted to go to Reddit. And I'll read you a couple of those. But BuzzFeed actually kind of did this work for me because they asked their readers to send in their weirdest or scariest premonitions they've ever had. One reader wrote that her grandmother had once dreamed the same dream for three nights in a row, a dream of a woman standing at the, fo at the foot of her bed and telling her to move her two daughters basically out of their bedroom. Like, you got to get your daughters out of the bedroom. These two daughters got to get them out of the bedroom. After the third night, she goes out and she's like, all right, fine. And she goes and tells her daughter, you know, like, all right, you got to get out. You, you Go sleep in the living room or somewhere else, basically. And she says the next night, the roof over their daughter's beds collapsed and a massive beam dropped right across their beds. Now, the woman said the grandmother's dream may have been her husband's mother who had died when she was young. So why wouldn't she recognize her? I don't know. But there you go. That's pretty cool. Look, if you have the same dream three nights in a row and it's about someone telling like, you got to do X, Y, or Z. Just do X, Y, or Z. What's the harm of it? It wasn't like they said, you know, you got to get rid of your daughters. You know, can you go kill them or something? Don't do that. But, hey, can you go move your two daughters because there's something bad that's going to happen in their bedroom? Yeah, okay. Three nights in a row of that? Why not have a little sleep out, a little camp out in the living room or basement or whatever until the dreams stop? Now, another one on that BuzzFeed article said... A week before Prince died, I had a dream where I woke up, I checked Facebook, and I saw that Prince had passed. I swear it was so real that when I awoke, I asked my husband, did Prince die? A day later, Prince's plane had to make an emergency landing, and a few days later, in case you don't know, spoiler, Prince died. All righty, this next one says, my grandmother was really sick my freshman year of high school. The doctor, oh, actually, I think that back, I think that was the end of the BuzzFeed Nope, it's still not. Nope, it's still BuzzFeed. My grandmother was really sick my freshman year of high school. The doctor and my mom warned me she probably wouldn't make it to my birthday, Valentine's Day, and I promptly told them straight up, no, she's going to die on Good Friday. Now, I'm not religious at all. She was. But I even gave them a time of 3 p.m., matter-of-factly, and I was right. Despite the fact that she was extremely ill, she held on to 3 p.m. on Good Friday, just like I said. Way to go, Grandma. Um, this next one said, I dreamt I was in the middle of a city. The sky was filled with black smoke and sirens were blaring. 
Hours later, I was walking around downtown with my friends, and the sky actually started filling with smoke, and sirens were screeching. Apparently, the largest stockyard on this side of the Mississippi was on fire. No people were hurt, but firefighters said it was the largest fire they'd seen in 25 years. So I thought that was kind of cool. I mean, that's not kind of. That's really cool. But I can't just rely on BuzzFeed for everything, so I wanted to go out and see if I could find other online premonitions. I don't want to read 10,000 of them because 90% of them are the same. You know, I dreamt my girlfriend was going to break up with me, and the next day she broke up with me. Well, that's because you're a loser and you knew it. Um, But, like, I wanted to read some of these because I was like, yeah, I'll go through some of these. And, yeah, that one's cool. I'll read that one. This one's kind of cool. I'll read that one. Like, I've received messages to go move to somewhere dry. Now, I live in Canada, and so far all is okay, but I guess we'll see moving forward. I also keep getting messages to have, get, buy, rope, and a boat. I live in a major city, nowhere near the coast, but regardless, and I, I went out and actually bought what I could afford. In November 2019, I was moved to buy medical masks at the local Walmart. They caught my eye because they were pretty and pink. So without having a purpose for them, I picked up a few boxes. When my daughter asked why I was buying them, I loosely commented it's for the next pandemic. Four months later, COVID was recognized as a pandemic in Canada and shortly thereafter declared a global pandemic. I have no control how this occurs, however, I've learned to take heed. It's all very disconcerting. Okay, what gets me is you are you were apparently really right about the pandemic and buying masks and good on you for buying that stuff. But can we go back to the going someplace dry and buy rope in a boat? What's that about? Can we, like, I don't want that to happen, but how would be, you know, it's three years later. How about we have a recap of what happened to you in those three years up in Canada? I don't remember anything big happening where everybody had to run to boats in Canada, but then again, you know, this year is supposed to have some weird horse thing happen in Canada. You had to listen to my my predictions episode. All right, this next one says, I'm six years older than my younger brother. When I was 16, I woke up in the middle of the night distraught. I had a dream that my brother passed away that was so vivid that my mother had to physically take me to his room to prove to me that he was okay. Now, in my dream, my brother had been ran over by a car and died instantly. The next morning, my mother was exhausted from calming me down the night before. She gets into her car and starts to back out of the driveway. She said she immediately thought of my dream and decided to stop the car and check on my brother before leaving for work. When she got out of the car, she found my brother had wiped out on his bike and his head was inches from her rear tire. He was positioned in such a way she would have been unable to see him in the mirrors and would have killed him. Ooh. That's brutal. I thank God. I, um, that's a happy ending one. It could have ended a lot worse when she popped his head like a melon with the tire. But good Lord, that mom will never, ever be like, all right, you have any other dreams? You all good? How am I doing? You had to, or, we're all good? Okay, I'm going to go to bed now. Like, I'd be asking that kid constantly. The next one says, dreamt that I was with a friend on a motorcycle, and all of a sudden I felt like I'd been violently thrown off something. Woke up with a headache and thought of my cousin. Yep. Turns out he died in a motorcycle motorcycle accident, and his friend only had a few scratches, was riding on the back of it. Ugh. This next one says, I had a feeling that something really major that would change the world was coming, though I didn't know what. This happened right before the pandemic. I just felt like things were about to change, like how animals start acting weird before a storm. I remembered telling a few people about it, even. They all remembered. All right, so you predicted the pandemic. You could have told the rest of us. 
You don't have to keep that shit to yourself and a few friends. Now, that's that made me, like, stop there and be like, all right, can I find any proof of COVID prior to COVID, before, before we really knew it? And unfortunately, I couldn't. I tried everything I could think of to find anybody that had any kind of post on Twitter or Reddit or Facebook about COVID prior to us even knowing what COVID was. And I really couldn't find anything. I was really hoping that would be like the end of this um, whole episode would be. And I found it and here it is. It happened in 2010 by a guy named Steve. And he said, nope, nothing. I couldn't find anything. Bums me out. Alrighty, up next. Yesterday, I wanted to bring my car into my driveway because I wanted to vacuum it. My battery's dead, so I figured I'd deal with my battery today in the evening. But I felt uneasy, and I wanted my car inside, but had to wait until this evening because it was close to 100 degrees outside. Well, at about 3.30 p.m., there was a hit and run outside, and guess whose car got totaled? It was theirs, in case you couldn't guess. Alright, this next one says, I was once hanging out with a bunch of guys I barely knew. Knew is spelled incorrectly, by the way. Suddenly, I had to get the fuck out of there, no matter what, so I excused myself and pissed off. 30 minutes later, the police arrived. Three of the guys who were there got knifed by some gang members only minutes after I left. Or, this is Kurt here, just guessing, you stabbed a bunch of your friends for no fucking reason and then, you know, fucked off and then wrote about this so you can be like, see, I was, I, I had this weird premonition and I left and then, then they got stabbed. Look, I'm on to you. You're a murderer. All right, this next one says, um, all right, this one was, was written in 2020, so it's not pre-COVID. Back when I was a child, about 2007 to 2010, I dreamed about a calendar that I saw and started thinking about the future. The years were lighted, bright like a calendar I saw, and by the time I got to the year 2020, it became faded to dark real quick. Now, I dismissed this dream, but it never really disappeared from my mind. For years... If I think of the next couple of years, 2020 onwards, it was still dark. To add to the creepiness, my mind couldn't imagine me being an adult or surviving to be an adult. I'm turning 18 on August. Yeah, that's a cool one, but this happened after COVID. I want a pre-COVID COVID one. So, interesting. Probably could be true. I don't fucking know. Take all of these with a grain of salt. But not what I was looking for. This next one, also not what I was looking for, but cool. In 2010, Jane McGonigal builds computer simulations that help people imagine specific scenarios. This is real. This isn't like someone wrote about this in 2020. This is real. This person, Jane McGonigal, she actually builds computer simulations that help people imagine specific scenarios. So in 2010... She invited nearly 20,000 people to immerse themselves in a future world that was besieged by a global respiratory pandemic. I almost added an extra I in respiratory. Respiratory pandemic. It's a me, Mario. Now let's pause right here to say that we knew a pandemic was going to come eventually. So it's not like that was amazing that she, oh, she came up with COVID in 2010. No, no. Science has known there was going to be a pandemic eventually. They just didn't know what the specific cause or virus was going to be. So no, her predicting a pandemic isn't the groundbreaking part of this. But when she did this, or how she does this is, she does a 10-year prediction simulation. So here's what she says we should be worried about or focusing on in the next 10 years. 
to prep all you listeners. So here you go. Same woman did a very eerily accurate computer simulation of COVID-19 and what happened to the community and food and she didn't say toilet paper, but you know, all the shit that happened to us in the, during the pandemic. So here's what she says. She says things to pay attention to are government mandated internet shutdowns. It is a huge future force that is spreading globally. If you're not aware of this phenomena and not potentially prepared to live through weeks or months of the government turning off the internet, that's something to think about, she says. Yeah, that is kind of spooky. I mean, it's not the worst thing that'll ever happen in the world, but my job depends, my day job depends on both my jobs. This job too depends on having internet access. A lot of things are way worse than, you know, my piddly little paranormal podcast and day job having internet access. I mean, we're talking about world economy and and a lot of the shit that we get happens to go through that stuff. But a government-mandated internet shutdown. That is kind of terrifying. Now, another one she said is climate migration. She says, we've got to be willing to think about the risks where we live. Are we in a climate secure, climate resilient place that'll probably be welcoming others who are migrating out of climate unsafe regions? If so, we should be prepared to see a higher density of living to be welcoming to people who have been forcibly displaced. Are we emotionally ready for that, she says. Are we, are we economically ready for that? Also, think about our pathways to move if we need to. That is something that is every serious futurist that I know is thinking about. Pathways of human movement within countries and across borders, how we can support people economically, socially, mentally, psychologically. How we can make a home. That is a problem space that warrants so much imagination and innovation and creativity. If I could get all of the smartest minds on the planet to work on something, it would be something, it would be thinking about this movement. That this is the biggest future scenario that would benefit from our imagination and also our innovation before it happens. Look, I agree 100% with all of that. I think she's very smart. And I think that since it's been written, we're starting to see, you know, major tributaries, major major waterways on the west coast of America becoming they're they're disappearing. They're they're, they're gone. We're running out of water. We're running out of natural resources and the planet's heating up. In case you guys didn't know, it's it's really bad right now. For women, for the planet, for everything. And don't even start with that whole nonsense of like, oh well the earth is heated up, you know, Back in the dinosaur times, Earth heated up as well. Yeah, I don't give a fuck about that. Scientists are saying we're beyond the breaking point for climate change. Whether you believe it or not, and I'm sorry if you don't, and I'm sure I'll I'll lose listeners by saying this, but it's real. Climate change is real, and this is the shit that we have to think about. She is a futurist, someone whose entire career is guessing and getting these kinds of things right. So I think, honestly... We should take what she says very, very seriously. That is, if you believe in science. And if you don't, why the fuck are you listening to me? Because I kind of do. All right, so um, I thought that was very cool. Some premonitions that could possibly happen from someone who kind of knows what they're talking about. But what do you do if you have premonitions? You know, what are you supposed to do? Are you supposed to listen to them? Are you supposed to ignore them? How do you figure out what's real and what's not? So... 
there was an article that I thought was actually kind of cool. It's, uh, what's it? Uh, I don't want to, it'll just look it up. What do you, what do you do with your premonitions? But I'm going to read it to you right now. Um, all right, you've had a premonition. Now what? They say if you're prone to premonitions and they start coming true more and more, that's when you should start taking notice of them. And I believe in that 100%. They say keep a diary. Get a journal and write down anything that you think might be a premonition. And I would say even if you don't have a bunch that come that have come true, if you're just starting to have all these weird kind of dreams, you know what like a regular dream is like, and then you, every now and then you wake up to a weird dream, and like that was a weird dream, and it kind of affects you for a while. Write it down. Keep a diary. Write down any premonitions you might have. Be sure to note the time and the date that you experienced it. Now, here's the problem that they're saying with this is – it's obvious that you could write, I could write today, I could write out a diary and predate it in like 2009. Oh my God, I just found my old 2009 diary and in it, it talks about uh, the pandemic and uh, stupid Musk trying to buy stupid Twitter. Like, yeah, that's fine. But if you're afraid to post about it on something that can't be changed like Twitter or Facebook or you know Reddit or wherever, or you're afraid to tell people about it, well, at least you know that your premonitions are coming true and you, you did write it down and you can start from that point deciding to tell to figure out if you want to tell others because that's the next one on this list is tell others. Don't keep them a secret. Now, don't tell your friends every little thing that you think might be a premonition, but if you start to have really weird feelings or three nights in a row kind of feelings, yeah, pass it along. But hey, I had this weird thing that happened the other day. Three nights in a row I've had this same dream. Weird, huh? Look, I'm I'm 100% on board with nobody wants to hear other people's dreams. They're never interesting to the other person, but you know, there's exceptions to every rule. So tell people about premonitions or use a date stamped location. Like I said, you know, find a specific website that you can put that on there, like Twitter or something. And you know, you can create a fake Twitter, like another Twitter and just start tweeting no one's going to really find it unless you like start tagging other people into it. And it's right there and it's documented. So if these things do come true, you could be like, Hey, check this out. I've got this side Twitter. And on this side Twitter, I post it on this date. You can see it right here. So the other thing they say is try and figure out exactly what's happening in your premonition. Be specific in your premonitions. Are there locations? Are there people? Did you hear any names or hear any specific phrases, landmarks, shapes, colors, smells, temperatures, anything that will add specificity? Sure, why not? To your premonitions. And if the premonition does come true, make sure you're honest about it. It might not be 100% accurate. Don't like inflate it so you're like, yeah, and you were wearing a red shirt and today you're wearing that same red shirt. Now, if they weren't wearing a red shirt, but everything else happened in that premonition, that's good enough. You don't need the red shirt. But kind of keep it as specific as you can and be conscious of it. Even though you're dreaming, if you're constantly trying to be specific about the things that are happening in your premonitions or your dreams, you'll start to notice more and more details as they come along. That's about it for the what to do if you have any premonitions. Um, I'm not done with this episode yet. I'll be honest. I didn't know how to end this episode and it really kind of frustrated me. Like all week I was like, how the hell am I going to end this? I don't want to just be like, so have you guys had any premonitions? I mean, I'll ask that and please 
If you have premonitions, tell me about them. I always want to hear about those. But I figured, why not to do something that is kind of premonition-y, kind of psychic, kind of paranormal, but something that's positive. And there's a reason why. Well, actually, all right. In this positive thing, like someone that either through premonitions or some kind of psychic sight was able to use her power for good and something that also I wanted that anybody can do. I didn't want it to be just, hey, this one person is able to do this. Isn't that cool? Well, yeah, you can't do that. You're not special. No, no. I wanted to find something positive, something that was kind of psychic or premonition that was kind of cool and something that this person says that anybody can do. Plus, I had a, the reason that I really looked into this person was because of this story that I told in um, on the live uh, episode. Um, I'll, I'll tell you the story first, and that that's what led me down this this rabbit hole. And then I found this person. I was like, "There's the perfect ending to this episode." It was kind of kismet, if you will. So uh, last weekend, I was walking rum in the park. We go to this park on Saturdays. Um, she gets excited. She's, she was terrified of the car when I first got her, so I wanted to give her rewards for you know like getting in the car. It's going to be something cool. It's going to be a park. So it's exactly what we did. We went to the park. We're walking around, and it was really early in the morning, like 7.30 in the morning. So there's nobody in the park, but um, we're doing a big lap of the park, and you can either do it in one big loop or you can kind of like do a, a, like a figure eight. So we did a big loop, and then we're going to come back, and we're doing a figure eight. As we're doing a figure eight, there's this woman walking her dog towards us. And the dog was off leash, so I pulled back on rum, and then we kind of stepped back. I wanted her to notice, like, hey, I've got a dog too. I don't know if your dog's nice. Mine's really nice, but, you know, keep, keep your dog under control. And uh, so she saw me, and she put the leash on her dog. And then she said, hey, just a, you know, just a warning. There's a lot of coyotes around here. And I said, yes, yes, I know. I see them all the time. I live in this, I live in Burbank as well. They're all up and down my street in, you know, daylight and nighttime. So I am very, uh, I've been on the lookout as well. And she's like, yeah, I've seen some in this park. So I just wanted to let you know, because your dog is smaller. My dog could fight them off. I don't think your dog is much. And I said, thank you. I really appreciate that. And, and, and I was like, oh, okay, so she's cool. And I kind of let, let my guard down. Now, a second that I let my mental guard down about like, all right, she's not some, you know, lady that's going to yell at me for something or, or, or be weird. Um, as soon as I let that guard down, she goes, you know what? I'd have to say, and I don't know the specific wording of it. I told a friend of mine about it the day of, I could probably find it and press play. But, um, ultimately what she said was, she's like, you know what? I can tell that you're almost at the next level. I said, what now? And she's like, yeah, I can see it. You're almost there. You're almost at the next level. You have a really good energy. You were almost there. And I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. The fuck's happening here? And she's like, you know, the next level, I think that you're about to level up. And I was like, in my mind, I'm like, ah, oh, crap. It's some kind of weird Scientology shit. I'm, I got to get the fuck out of here. And then she's like, no, it's nothing weird. It's just that um, she's like, do you do anything that, um, that, that would have like, you know, like fans? Do you have a, you know, do you do, are you in the entertainment industry or something to that effect? And I said, oh, well, you know, I've got a podcast and, you know, and she's like, yeah, there you go. She's like, I have a feeling that it's about to go up to the next level. You're about to get something big. That the project of your 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 podcast is about to you know become big. And I was like, all right, cool. You know, like tell me more. I'd love to know more. And then she started talking about how, um, you know, like she she 
doesn't have to work hard and she got she you know she kind of just falls into money and she's got a friend who's a billionaire lives up on the hill and I was like wow that's cool that's the exact opposite of me I'm you know I work really hard and I don't have any money and she's like yeah I can kind of get that she's like you don't have to work hard she's like you just have to know that it's going to happen that you're going to she's like you are you're about to level up and when you do you're going she's like do you play the lotto a lot and I said well I don't know about a lot I buy a lotto ticket once a week, because I do. Why the hell not? You know, I got a dream, you know? And she's like, yep, it's going to happen. And I was like, well, that would be nice. She's like, no, 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 no. Don't wish it or want it. Know that it's going to happen. And I said, okay, you know, from like, you know, from your lips to God's ear kind of a thing. And she's like, no, no. You have to be completely positive, positive thinking from the second you wake up to the second you go to bed. Don't let the stupidity of the negativity of your like day job or stupid people or traffic or whatever bother you. Be positive and know that it's going to happen. Think that it already has happened. And she's like, and that's the key. And I was like, well, it's kind of woo woo, but you know, there's no harm in it. It's not like she's pushing religion on me or telling me I have to go to some meeting next week or have my feetins read or some weird shit like that. So I was like, all right, you know, ultimately it's harmless. And all she's telling me is to be positive. That um, that's, seems like good advice for anybody. So I was like, all right, well, that's very cool. It's very nice of you. You know, nice talking to you, Alice. I'm going to, you know, be on my way. And, you know, she didn't try and stop me or hand me a pamphlet or anything. So I was like, all right, well, that's cool. That was a neat, fun experience. And I was like, why the hell not? So I started thinking about it. I'm like, why the hell not? What is wrong with trying to be positive and surrounding yourself with positive people? That was the other thing. She's like, you know, if you got negative people constantly, don't, you know, get rid of them. I'm like, oh, I do. I mean, I, I do have negative people and I do get rid of them constantly. And she's like, yeah, she's like, surround yourself with good people. Surround yourself with people that are like-minded and thinking like you do. Hence, you guys that are listening to this. And I was like, yeah, okay, I can kind of get behind all this. It seems like it's kind of harmless, good thinking. And so I looked it up online you know, does anybody that has done this kind of a thing, is there any verifiable proof that you can get anything you want without the hard work, you know? And I don't mean like this person bought a lotto ticket and then won the lotto. No, I mean like, well, that's weird. What just happened? There we go. My screen just went blank. That was really weird. But I mean like, um, you know, has anybody seemingly just done this positive thinking kind of a thing and have results. I want scientific, I wanted to start the episode with scientific results and end the episode with scientific results. And well, I found this woman online. Her name is Helen Hadsel. She is also known as the contest queen. And I was like, this is kind of interesting. Um, she said she uses a technique or use, she passed away sadly, but she used a technique her entire life called SPEC, S-P-E-C, to get anything she wanted. And I mean anything. Again, she's also known as the contest queen, so guess what? Spoiler, she's going to win a fuck ton of contests in a minute. Now, SPEC stands for Select, Project, Expect, and Collect. Sure, why not? Seems simple enough. She said... You have to select a goal to get started. Someone asked if this technique could be used for other purposes other than just entering contests for merchandise. And she said, yes, this can be used to obtain anything you desire in the physical, mental, or spiritual realms. Basically, you name it, you can claim it, is what she says. Now, look, I know this sounds woo-woo, but again, 
She's named the contest queen. She has proven results. She has won bicycles, toys for her kids, musical instruments, a boat, cars, appliances, stuff for the home, trips around the world. That's right, plural. Trips, plural. Oh, and a freaking house. In total, she won over 5,000 contests. And it's verifiable. And it said, or she said, I should say, that metaphysics is the reason she won. This is real. You can go back to the winning when she was winning this stuff in her lifetime and see a, uh, like a good housekeeping article about it and other articles about it in the newspapers about it. She's a contest queen. Five, over 5,000. Basically, any contest she ever wanted to enter, she won. She beat the odds on every one of these contests. I'll get to that in a minute. But she said, project it. This can be accomplished in many ways. Basically, see it as already having it. Kind of like what that woman Alice said to me. And I swear to God, I checked the photos. I was like, oh my God, did I meet the, the, the ghost of Helen Hansel? No, it wasn't. But see it as already having it. Don't wish for it. Don't want it. See it as already happened. It happened already. You know, like Anna Kendrick is my girlfriend now. It's already happened. I already have this house of my dreams, and I already won the lotto. So this is all, this has already happened. Next, expect it. Again, see yourself as already having it or enjoying the end result. That's the key to the expect it part. See yourself having what you want or being what you want to be, but it's already happened. What would happen if I wanted to win the lotto? Well, I, I, I won the lotto. Now I have a large sum of money. With that sum of money, I already know the house that I want to buy. I, I look at Zillow every week and dream of houses. So I'd buy this. I already bought this dream house. I'm living in this dream house. I already know what it looks like because I've seen photos of it online. So what's it like to live in that dream house? I already know. It's got a big, cool living room. It's round. It's circular. There's a nice pool out front. There's a yard that run that rum loves to run in. Like, it's already happened. I'm living there. I've already decorated it. I've got the idea for this paint. I've got the idea for this thing. Just expect it. And then she said when she's done visualizing, she just doesn't continue with her life as it was. She says she continues her life knowing that she has it. She lives as if she has it. So, for example, when she won, she wanted to win this trip to Paris for like a honeymoon kind of a thing. Not a honeymoon, but like an anniversary kind of thing for her and her husband. And so she went out, they got their shots, they got their passport, and then she kept saying, you know, when are they going to tell us we won this contest? It has to be happening soon because we have to go soon. The contest, you know, we have to leave for the trip coming up very soon. And sure as shit... They showed up and said, hey, congratulations, you won this Paris trip. And she always said, like, when they would come up and say that, to act a little bit surprised. She told her husband, you know, make sure you act surprised when they say it. What? We won? Aw, knowing that they'd already won. The same thing happened with her house. She's like, wow, they should be telling me I, that I, I have the house. Why aren't they telling me that? Oh, oh, I got a call. Oh, tell your husband to be home that day by this company that, you know, was giving away the house. And she's like, yeah, no problem. Wonder what this is about. You know, that kind of a thing on the phone. But then she told her husband, don't show them the specs because they already drew up all this cool stuff that they wanted for the house. She's like, pretend like 
we didn't know we already won, but they're coming today to tell us we won. Even though they hadn't told her on the phone that they that's what, why they were calling her. They were just saying, hey, did you did you check out our our demonstration of it? And where that's where you signed up? And she's like, yep, that's exactly what happened. But in reality, they were coming that day to say, congratulations, you had won with like balloons and camera and all that shit. So she said, being a positive person is so vital and so important to make this process and life in general, quote, a daring, delightful adventure. Now, you know, past Kurt would have said, well, fuck that. I'm not the most positive person in the world. I'm fairly negative. I always expect the worst, you know, kind of a thing. But I'm trying to be in the mindset all week. Be positive. Things, good things will happen to good people kind of a thing. That's what's going on in my head. Now, she wrote a book, and she called it the Name It and Claim It Game, and apparently it's got a huge fucking following. I looked it up online, and I was like, holy crap, there's a ton of people that are, like, naming it and claiming it, and a lot of these people online, look, I can't verify any of these people, but they're saying this shit is real, and I'm winning everything, I'm getting everything I've always wanted. There's a lot of people online that said because of her and her book, they are just basically falling into money and falling into everything they've wanted. So there's got to be something to this. Now, she even had a paranormal experience. Um, you know what? Let me just play it for you because I want you to hear it from her instead of me retelling her paranormal experience. And it's really quick. I think it's like less than a minute. I probably was about four or five years old when I started seeing in other dimensions and my mother insisted that I was lying or I was the work of the devil not to tell anybody. And then, uh, did you read my story about my grandfather uh, when uh, he died and I insisted? See, my grandmother said, the angel is coming to get him because it was a picture of an angel uh, all over the houses there, mm -hmm. the Catholic. And so um, I assumed this angel with this huge wing was coming, he's dying now to come and get him. And I insisted on being in the room when all the family was around praying and the priest last rites and things. And I'm looking for this angel. But all of a sudden, all these people appear. And he sits up in bed, which is, I mean, I'm seeing, it's it just, uh, I'm just standing there amazed. And then he smiles and he walks through the wall with all these people. And he's still laying on the bed. Now I'm utterly confused. <laughs> and, I, and I tell, we, after we got out of the room and my mother, hush, 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 you know, be quiet and so forth. And uh, I said, but Grandpa didn't have an angel. You know? And she says, don't you tell Grandma that he didn't have an angel. I said, but he went off with all these old men. So what I was seeing, you know, was this spirit. Mm -hmm. So he didn't change. And then he was still laying there, and then that was it. So All right, that's about it for this part of it. She goes on to tell another story about um, she had rheumatic fever, and uh, she was visited by somebody, and they said, hey, you're basically, you're healed. And she told her mom, like, hey, I was healed. And her, and her mom's like, no, you that was just a fever dream. You're, you're very sick. Look at your legs. Look at your joints. They're still swollen. You're very sick. You know, stay in bed kind of a thing. And then the next morning, she got up, and she was like, oh, I'm fine, and went to the kitchen and started making herself food and told her mom, like, I'm healed. That guy told me I'm healed. 
So she's definitely had some paranormal experiences. She definitely is a very positive person. Uh, Helen Hadsell, um, you, I mean, it, it's up to you if you want to check it out, listen to more of her stuff on YouTube. There's a ton of uh, stuff about her and interviews that are very good that I was like, yeah, you know what? I like this woman. She seemed very cool. Sadly, she's passed away, but she seemed very cool. But I thought I would give you a couple of her little, like, um, Helen Hadsell quotes that I was like, yeah, I like that. There's no harm in any of this. One of them is there is no failure, only a delay in results. That's a positive thinking kind of a thing that I don't, I didn't do, but I do now that I like. Uh, the other one is the only competition you ever have is with yourself. That's when you doubt yourself. Yeah, it's really positive. I like that one. The next one is step one, set a goal. Step two, never entertain doubts. Step three, you can con yourself into anything by repeating it over and over again until one day it is incorporated into your thinking. I like it. I like everything about this woman. Had there not been definitive results, I would have gone, well, this is just self-help, woo-woo, nonsense, bullshit. This woman's got the results. And what's the harm? There's no harm in any of this. There's not like, and step four, Send Kurt 50% or 75% of your paycheck every week. No, 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 no. It's just, you know, be positive. Stop, stop doubting yourself. It's already happened. The good thing you already want that you want has already happened. You've got it. Plan on it. Think of all the details. It's yours. Yeah, I, I, I like it. I like everything about it. I won that podcast award that everybody nominated me for. If you don't know what I'm talking about, you can go to Twitter. I think I posted about it on there. It's on the Facebook page as well. There's some podcast award, and the nominations are up, and people are nominating me, which I think is very sweet. But I've already won the award, so, you know, good on me. Uh, but, you know, like, I like this kind of positive ending to an episode because most premonition episodes, or most premonitions, are about negative things. People happen, like, people die. She, my, my grandma died, and I woke up the next morning and went, hey, grandma died. My mom was like, no, she didn't. She's fine. And then we get a call that grandma died. You know, like, too many of those over an hour is is freaking brutal. So I was like, all right, I don't want to do that. I want to end on a positive note. And frankly, I can't find anybody more positive and successful than Helen Hadsell. So there you go. I thought that was a, I hope you agree that it's a neat ending to an episode because I personally, that's, I, I, I think it is. But anyhow, so that's that. Um, take it, you know, what you will with it from this episode. If you only wanted to talk about the scientific part of the premonitions, you got that. You only want to hear cool, spooky premonition stories, you got that. You didn't like any of the premonition stuff? Well, there's a shit ton of stuff prior to it that was all over the gambit of ghost buses and, and all kinds of paranormal shit and paranormal news, so you got that. Um, you want to hear about an old woman that uh, lived her life and won a shit ton of cool contests? Well, you got that too. So, like I said, hopefully this episode runs the gambit of everything that you want in a Paranormal Almanac episode because I think we're like seven away from the 200th episode, and I really got to start planning for that. Like now, I've got to start doing the outline more than I already have, and I got to start planning some um, special stuff for it that I have. You know, I've got the ideas for it, but it's already happened. The episode's great. Uh, I... I've done the episode. You've all loved it. It's the most popular episode on the on uh, the internet. You know, positive thinking. Anyhow, with that, uh, what do you guys think about premonitions? You ever had one? Told you I was going to ask that question. See, I, it was a premonition that I was going to ask that. I, have you ever had a premonition? Did it come true? What was it? Was it something good? I hope. Was it hopefully nothing bad? But if it was, what was it? Um, if so, 
How do you feel like, why do you think that you have premonitions? Some people have premonitions and some people don't. It sounds like anybody can have premonitions. You just have to start believing and listening to your gut or listening to that voice in you because everybody has them. Whether you want to or not, you can have premonitions. So, yeah, I don't know. Uh, what do you guys think of Helen Hadsell? Hadswell, Hadsell. What do you think? What do you guys think of her? Like, can you imagine your entire life, any contest you want to enter, boom, you enter it and you win it. You want to go on a trip, honey? Let's go to Paris. What do you mean, let's go to Paris? We can't afford that. Oh, we won a contest. What? I'm going to enter it, but we won it already. You want a house? Boom, you got yourself a house. It's just nuts to me, man. It's absolutely crazy. Once again, I'm your host, Kurt Sandvig. This has been another edition of Paranormal Almanac. So I had thought beat her out. So I had a thought beat her out. So I had a thought beat her out.